Yes, coming in hot with episode 36 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who cowered back to the city after the government told him to do so, Jobba. How are you, mate? You make it? Yeah, good. I joined the rest of the sheeple and um, jumped the border. So avoid the hotel quarantine. No, look, it's good. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Um, It's been a whirlwind couple of months, hasn't it? Crazy year. I think a lot of people are happy to see that year go by. Um, so we're cracking into 2021 and it's not looking much different this early, is it? A um, couple of pre games um, still hanging around, whether they will or won't be played um, and some new restrictions coming in. So mm, who knows? But we may as well crack in with flavour of the pod. So we've got an opening question. We've got some weekly happenings, a lot going on because a lot of football. Multiple rounds played this week. We've got to review the last set of games and we're going to preview the next set. Um, and then we got some – the mailbag's actually got something in it this week, which is nice. And we also have uh, Rogers Multi coming in. So we've got a lot to get through, mate. So let's do it. Opening question. What have right, you got so for us? So former Norwich City striker Grant Holt. <clears throat> do you remember him? Grant Holt? Yes. Is he yep. enough? I think he might have been close to an England call-up not too long ago. Um, he's 200 to 1 to win the WWE Royal Rumble. So that is like a 30 or 34-man like wrestling thing that goes for a couple of hours and they sort of run in and everyone gets released in. So he's, he's gone and done it. He's outside chance to win it. But if we were to have the Royal Rumble in the Premier League right now, who would win it and why? So, or can I ask a couple of questions before I give my answer? So, why why has he even got odds on him? Is he now in the WWE? I wasn't aware of this. He's in the, w, uh, the WWE, yeah. That's right. Okay. okay. And so, he's got a ticket into the Royal Rumble. I don't think I'll bet on him. But um, if it was to happen in the Prem, I think an honorable mention would go to Adama Traore. I think he's got the, obviously got the body of a wrestler and obviously the oil, which we spoke about in episode two. Um, he oils up his arms. So I think that plays into the wrestling theme. So that's just an honourable mention for me. But I think what I'm going to go with is Roy Hodgson. Might sound like an odd one to start with, but hear me out. So I think because he's so old and frail, I think a couple of reasons that he won't get thrown over the top rope is that some people might mistake him for the referee um, and then some people might take sympathy on him. And I think he'll just hang around there. And if he in- gets injected late into the rumble, I think he's an outside chance. Who have you got? Yeah, I couldn't split it between Jose Mourinho and Chris Wilder. So my thinking behind Jose is there's 30 people in there or 34, um, and Jose would just need enough time in there to start turning everyone else against each other. You know how, you know, when he gets in a bit into that managerial reign and everyone starts sort of imploding. I could see it like that. So Jose would just pop up at the end and sort of push Roy over the rope or something. The other one was Chris Wilder because I'm just like – he can just keep getting knocked down and knocked down and knocked down, but they just can't seem to get rid of him. So <laughs> come, come the end of the rumble, they'd be like, oh, Chris, well, you're here. You've won. Um, <laughs> suppose that means you won. Yeah. that means you're not sacked. Yeah, exactly. you um, you, you're somehow still here. Um, so I, I couldn't split those two, but I think if Jose was to win, I think it would be a better affair because they'd just be like real bloodshed and everyone turning on each other, but um, Wilder just sneak his way through. Uh, yeah, so there's been a bit going on this week. So Edison Cavani received a three-game ban for a race, racially offensive tweet after Manchester United's 3-2 win over Southampton on the 29th of November. So he'll miss games against Villa, City and Watford. What did you make of this one? 
Mm, I suppose given the environment that we're in, that to come down hard on that. I think you and I spoke off air about how this seems harsher than sort of other um, indiscretions, not necessarily by Cavani but by other players in the past. And I think, yeah, you've got to do something. So, yeah, why not go pretty hard? Um, I don't think Man United will miss him that much. Like I think he was a bit part player for them at the moment and struggling to break into the team. And I think if Man United fully strength, he doesn't get picked. He also got a £100,000 fine to go along with that, which does seem rather high. Yeah, it's not really high for his wages. Um, I don't it's think it's going to hit, yeah, yeah. hit him too hard. Um Tommy, the Doc Doherty passed away this week, aged 92. So he was the manager of 12 clubs, including Manchester United, Chelsea, Aston Villa and Derby, um, as well as a spell in charge of Scotland. So he's also a former Preston player and guided Manchester United to an FA Cup final win over Liverpool in 1977, which um, doesn't sound like much now, but in those times, Liverpool were the team to beat and that was quite a big deal. Um, So that was another sad loss this year. Yeah, sad, sad news, but a bit before our time. So, yeah, um, but nonetheless, sad to hear. Last one is, so one of the show's favourites, made famous by headbutting James Beattie in the shower, Tony Pullis was sacked by Sheffield Wednesday. Um, the owner said hiring Pullis was a mistake. What do you make of this one? Is Tony done? Oh, well, he's, he's going to have to go backwards again. Um so to to a small club, really, but I think he was only in charge for it was eight games or something like that, like ten, twelve ten weeks, games, ten games, yeah, and twelve weeks or something like that. So, yeah, I think it, it's going to be a costly mistake though for for Wednesday, isn't it? They're obviously going to have to pay him out. Um, he would have had years left on his contract, so yeah, costly mistake to make. I wonder if he'll pop up in the Royal Rumble. All right, so let's get into it. So we we. Um, made a reference to it the other day, but the first fixture was Crystal Palace 1, Leicester City 1. Ian Acho uh, sort of cost you the points here, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He Not the best pen and just had no – you could tell coming in here, just had no confidence um, and just did that stuttering start and then didn't really hit it in the corner, like a bad height, no power, um, but a decent save, a better save that had to be made. So, yeah, so he missed the pen, but he's taking the pens because Leicester made seven changes going into this game. Um, so Rogers is shuffling the pack there. And the two traditional penalty takers, Vardy and um, Tilly, has taken a few as well this year. Um, we're both on the bench, so hence Ianacho took the pen, but, um, yeah, missed it. So I think, like, Palace coming into this game, I thought Leicester were going to do them. Um, Palace were in bad need of um, a win, and, and they weren't in the – in the right form, but they made five changes as well because they had games recently. Um, and I suppose this game I sort of put down to probably more um, like missed chances and a missed opportunity for Leicester rather than like a point gain for Palace or, or anything like that. What did you think and, and what do you think of Barnes's goal? Yeah, Leicester, Leicester just didn't look like themselves. They didn't look particularly threatening. Um I think you can attribute that to the changes as well, like not having Vardy out there, not having Tillemans, Madison not there either. Like they just looked a little bit toothless. Um, there were a couple of good chances in there for Crystal Palace actually. Like Andros Townsend should have scored in the first half and then Wolf Zaha got in the end of a nice move. Um, really confusing angle of the ball actually. I was like, I don't know what Casper Schmeichel saw, but it was like it sort of looked like he moved, but it was deflected, but it wasn't. Well, he was expecting yeah, was- a deflection. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to work out um, whether I wanted 
Casper to do better from there. Like on the surface, it's a he got beaten in his near post by a volley, but at the same time, it was relatively close. And the cross come from the other side of the pitch. So if you're Smichael, your starting position would be closer towards that front post. So he's got a lot of ground to cover to get over to the far post. And Saha, to be fair to him, um, did connect rather well. So mm, I'm not sure. What, what do you think? Um, Smichael should have done better or, that, or that's okay? No, I think it was okay. I think it was a good finish from Wilf. Um, it was just a little bit confusing. But um, another goal for Harvey Barnes. Good news. Um, a little bit like too little too late for Leicester, but like, they weren't really pushing hard enough in that respect. But nice little finish from Harvey Barnes. Um, but you got drop points two, there for Leicester. Really yeah. big opportunity but- there. Yeah, I thought, as I said, I thought going into it, Leicester were going to do them. Um, Harvey Barnes, two goals in two games, both on his left foot. So um, I think that was probably a weak suit of his. His delivery on his left foot still needs improvement, but obviously his finishing on his left foot has improved and I think Leicester should have won. I think um, you you mentioned a couple of chances there for Townsend and Zaha, but um, Ian Acho obviously had the pen. Then he had a header that come off his his shoulder. I think um, Dennis Pratt hit the crossbar. Um, you had Harvey Barnes um, sniffing around and obviously got his chance. But, yeah, probably two points dropped for Leicester, um, if I'm honest. Yep. So that left Leicester City third, um, Palace in 15th. Next one, Villa versus Chelsea. So for all Chelsea's money, Oli Giroud in the goals again, isn't he? Yeah, I know. He's. I think if um, if he can handle or play more game time, I, I think obviously he'd be um, – like much more of an asset for Chelsea, but he just can't get the minutes together. I think you mentioned after he scored the four goals in the um, Champions League, I think he came back and started the same week in the Prem, and he mentioned after that, he got the hooker after 60 minutes after that game, and he mentioned how tired he was playing sort of two games in a week. So I think, yeah, Frank's got a real asset there if you can use him properly and use him off the bench and inject him because he's still got the quality, but good ball in by Chilwell and a great header by Giroud. Um, But I think... Um, again, Frank shuffled his pack. He had six changes from um, from his last match. Christensen started. Um, and I probably want to talk about um, El Ghazi's goal and Christensen's role in that. Did you see El Ghazi's goal? Yeah, five in five for the big fella. Um, he's, in, he's in good form. He's in and great so, form. so there's a little collision and Christensen goes down um, the the sort of um, Villa play on, the ball gets semi cleared and then um, Jack finds a pass out wide and then um, Cross comes in and El Ghazi scores. You look back and Christensen's still on the ground. Mm. So that was disappointing. And then after the goal, he picked himself up and played the rest of the game. So, I mean, it's a bit... You yeah, think he's hoping think, You think he's hoping that, get, that gets picked up on VAR? Yeah, 100%. But... Um, or he's waiting for the referee to do something or for them to kick it out. But honestly, he had enough time because there was two two breaks in play, in like two phases of play where he could have picked himself up and if he really wanted, um, yeah, get back in and get in because um, the goal, it, it come from across and it was like rather central um, and just on the edge of the six-yard box where you would imagine the centre-back would be. Yeah. And you saw Silver there just flailing his arms after the goal. But yeah, not not taking anything away from the finish from El Ghazi, but I think that um, Christensen could have done a little bit better. Do you think Frank is in a little bit of trouble? Oh, I don't, I don't think so, but I think he should be. Too um, early? Yeah, too early, I think. And it is quite sort of erratic, the league table right now, probably more so than it's been in recent history. 
Um, I think he's all right for now, but I reckon if the results keep going this way, and he needs to get more out of Werner and Havertz, like neither of those two started. Um, Pulisic looked quite sharp, but like, would they spend 130 million in the summer on those two? And they're not getting yeah. much out of them. Oh, so what? Those are 12 games now for Werner, no goals, and, and Havertz. He's yeah, he's sort of creation, and even his game time, he hasn't played that that many minutes. Yeah. Um, so he, he needs to get more out of them. The other player I want to talk about from Chelsea is Mendy. So when he come in, um, did really well, and I suppose Chelsea fans were begging for some improvement on Kepa, and they did get that. He played rather well in the first couple of games, kept a lot of clean sheets, and then Chelsea were looking rather stable. The last couple of games, he's made a couple of bad decisions and he's, um, he's probably done – he could have done better on a couple of goals as well. So the the reason I've sort of strung this together is um, his decision-making against um, Everton when he came out and took out Dominic Galvin-Lewin. Yeah. Do you remember that? Gave away yeah, the pen yeah. and on that. And then um, El Ghazi's goal, the ball got sort of drifted in where I'm not sure he could have come for it, but I think if he was aggressive and read it, he, he could have got something on it, at least a punch. Yeah. Um, and then the volley from El Ghazi just went straight through his legs. So are we seeing a bit of a drop off in Mendy or have I jumped the gun there? Uh, I think you're jumping the gun slightly. I think he came in and set the bar fairly high as well. Um, but he has had a couple of moments. But I don't know if that's his fault um, completely. Like when you take out Silva from that team, they seem a little bit like they've got a bit of a soft underbelly and they lack a little bit of leadership in there. So I sort of feel like he he exudes a bit of confidence, but Thiago Silva brings a lot more confidence and makes everyone around him a little bit more confident. I think you said that a bit with Mendy's goalkeeping. Yeah, okay. So what you're saying there is bring um, bring John Terry back. Um, but what I'm saying is just keep an eye on Mendy in the next couple of weeks, I think. I think you might see more. John's in the, John, John was in the other dugout. Um, oh, no, last, last bit I want to talk about there. So two things. Was, did you see the strike from John McGinn? Oh, crossbar? Oh, holy shit. That was fucking moving. That bar's still shaking. The best part was that Mendy, how rooted to the spot he was, he just like turned his neck and was like, oh, this is going to fall. <laughs> he could not have hit that any better. If that had hit Mendy, it would have killed him. Um, and then Ben Chilwell almost won it late. Nice little volley yeah. in there. Yeah, we're not we're not really a fan of Ben on this pod. Um, Street Judas is what we call him, but um, I think he, he did rather well. I think he defended well in this game, um, and he created he delivered the ball for um, Giroud's goal. And yeah, as you say, could have won it late on, but that volley that he hit, whew, he's got that technique, doesn't he? That was really moving yeah, as well. Yeah. I think it grazed the post, didn't it? Mm, I believe so, but oh, yeah. that, I could have won it for him. Um, would have been a great three points for Chelsea, but what well, to me. Yeah. So let's move on to the other team in London that everyone knows. Um, obviously, there's a few more teams in London. Brighton nil, Arsenal one. You said off air, Arteta's a genius. They're back, aren't they? Uh, I don't think they're back, but I think obviously another step in, in the right direction. We said last pod that there's no good um, going out and getting that, that huge win against Chelsea and then following up and sort of dropping points against Brighton. So they've done that. They've picked up three points. Um, again, I thought they were a bit underwhelming, um, but had too much for Brighton, if I'm honest, in the end, and a nice finish from Lacazette. But they started quite brightly, which would be pleasing for Arsenal fans. I thought they were on top early, um, but then Brighton sort of wrestled their way back into the game and got on top for a little bit. But they're really quite heavily reliant on Saka, aren't they? 
Yeah, everything good from Arsenal comes from him at the moment, doesn't it? Like they play through him a lot um, and go out to his side a lot. And so, yeah, they are heavily reliant on him. But um, he's delivering. I think he got the assist for um, Lacazette um, out on the right, little chop back to Lacazette. Lacazette rolled out and um, nice finish there. But, yeah, I think he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But I just you don't want to be like the, either those England fans or those Arsenal fans to say that he's the next big thing. But, um, yeah, he's playing well at the moment. Yeah, he's exciting. And Aubameyang should have scored as well off a, a sack across, I believe, too. But, he looks a shell of a player that he used to be, doesn't he? Yeah, it's any time that someone signs a new contract with Arsenal, like a big bump, they just go, yeah. shit, they just don't yeah, want to do it anymore. Um, but look, not a great deal of highlights in that game, but definitely a big three points for Arsenal um, to back it up after Chelsea last week. So I don't want to go into too much detail on that one, but the, like, there are signs of life there. Yeah, agreed. I think um, Arteta has... I don't know if he's turned the corner yet, but he is at least slowing the slowing the rot and at least sort of starting to um, yeah turn around and and getting at least heading the right direction. Um, but again, they need to keep picking up points. I think he's obviously got the heat off him at least in the short term. So um, and he's got a good chance coming up next. I think they got West Brom, so another good chance to pick up points for Arteta. Yep. So next one, Saints versus West Ham. So we both thought this one would be a cracking game. It did not turn out to be so. It fizzled out, didn't it? It really fizzled out. And Ward Prowse had a free kick that he should have scored and he put in the grandstand as well. The whole game was crazy. Um, yeah, as you said, I think you and I both got this. We thought there was going to be um, goals the other side. I think you had West Ham and I think I had Southampton. But, yeah, nil all. Um, not a lot of changes run by either manager. So I think, as I touched on in those last couple of games, there was a lot of changes made. So potentially that had something to do with it, um, where Southampton didn't really make a lot of changes. Like Dan, um, Danny Ings, um, Adams, uh, Ward Prowse played, Cole Walker Peters, um, Bertrude, like they're all their regular team. So potentially that had something to do with the nil all result. Yeah. Um, there wasn't many chances in this game, but. There was one goal disallowed for Southampton for offside. Fairly tight one, but in this world, an arm is offside now, so bad luck for Danny Ings. And then Alex McCarthy with a cracking save from Ben Rama towards the end. Like one yeah. hand up. That was unbelievable. Strong hand to to get that, yeah. Yeah. He's done, done well. But I think um, like if I was going to say this result was unfair to a team, I'd probably say Southampton. I think they probably had the better of the chances um, and definitely had more of the play. I think that what well, they had 63% um, possession and um, and knocked the ball around quite well. So Yeah. yeah. But that's uh, back-to-back goalless draws now for Southampton and they have no wins in four games in the last four. So uh, maybe struggling a little bit for form, but I think they'll just get out the other side of Christmas and they'll be fine. West Ham, not much better. No. So next one, a <laughs> bit of a surprise. Now, you sort of inferred this last week, but I don't think anyone could have expected this. So Leeds United 5, West Bromwich Albion 0. I know you're a pragmatist and you want to play out from the back, but could West Brom have had a worse start? Um, eight minutes in. Yeah. There you go. What a goal. So, What's goal? he doing? 
Right, so I think you and I spoke about this off air, but what I'm thinking it's the um, defender's fault. So what's happened here is um, the left side centre back has got the ball getting close from his right side, sort of turns back and then chops it back to his um, keeper um, and it rolls into an empty net. The keeper's out on the left-hand side of the goal, trying to create an angle um, and, yeah, a bit of a howler and just not the way you want to start, do you know what I mean? Like after the result they had last week against Liverpool, doing so well, um, and picking up a point to then just chuck the um, the lead to uh, Leeds um, would have been disappointing and would have hurt their confidence. And I think that sort of rolled into the rest of the game. Yeah, from that point on, Leeds were absolutely dominant. Like five, five nil didn't do them justice. Um, West Brom were just nowhere near it after that. Um, Alioski with an absolutely cracking strike for the second goal. Like that's a nice left peg flying in. That was like what a hit! All of Leeds' goals, apart from the own goal, was um were worldies, really, weren't they? Yeah, if they weren't worldies, they were really well worked. Um, Harrison <clears throat> Harrison's goal for the third one nicely worked through the midfield. They, I love the way they play those little one twos. Like they're so good at playing one twos and like moving after they pass the ball. Like once they get a flow on like that, they're so hard to stop. Yeah, like some people have likened them to Man City, but um, just I suppose that's a lazy comparison because of the amount of passes and the style, like in terms of ball dominance and and pushing forward. Um, but I think they're very different to that. So what Man City do is make a lot of small passes to draw players out to the ball um, to then make penetration passes through them to get to the byline to cut it out, to cut it back. Whereas um, Leeds play sort of um, like longer switches and move the ball over longer distances to shuffle teams across and, and find gaps. And then once they find gaps, they could punch through, which is I think why they're, all their goals are so sort of spectacular and um, and you've got sort of, you know, um, overloads on different sides and things like that because they're shuffling teams across so fast. So slightly different to, to Man City in, in that style. And I sort of resent the fact that you said I kind of alluded to this result. I, it's not, not really true, is it? Like when you think about it, I, I picked this result exactly. Um, I said that, yeah, West Brom wouldn't play high enough to um, hurt or damage leads, which would then just bring leads on. Um, and they would just be yeah too fast and shuffle them too far, whether that be side to side or playing diags to move them back and forth. Um, and they just found so many gaps. And, and as you say, I think um, five nil was a fair result, which is an odd thing to say, and, and really could have been more. Goal of the game though for me was um, Rafinha's um, chop inside on his left foot and then ripped it around to the top corner. What a finish! And he's in great form. Yeah, I feel like all his goals. Uh, like the exact same. It's like an absolute banger on the left peg. Cuts in, lashes at home. Oh, that was that was absolutely stunning. And again, the build-up play, like quick switch, get out there, one, two, just rolled out to him, cuts across, bang. Thanks for coming. Happy with Leeds. So um, where do Leeds? Leeds move into 11th, um, which is good. I think you can see them, see them making progress, but... Yeah, I think West Brom and Sam have a lot of work to do. Did you see Sam's interview at the end of the game? Yeah, he's not happy. He's not happy. So what's he, what he's done there is he's mentioned that um, he thought it was a tough job. Now he knows it's a very, very tough job um, after copping five. And he says that these both these teams are newly promoted and you can see the differences between them. Um, and for me, all that says 
for Sam is to the board is that I need some money to spend in January to get us out of this mess. I think it is still savable for Big Sam. Like, what are they? Still only three points behind um, Fulham, um, who are further two behind Brighton. So it it is still still possible. but, yeah, I think he's going to need some reinforcements in January. And if you're West Brom, what spots are you buying in? Looking to shore up that defence or do they need some more penetration? No, I think you need a whole new back four. Oh, no. Uh, really? I, think we're back, I think we're back to that again. Um, they're just calamitous. Like, so he's opened up. But I think the back four, you need to do something about, like, you definitely need a centre-back. Um, and I do think that Sam will go out and get a striker as well, but, like, a target man. I don't know where he's going to find one, but I can... Ashley Barnes or something. Yeah, something like that. Someone who can just get the nod-ons and he'll play like that. Right. Tough times ahead for West Brom. Very tough. But um, do you know who had a good week this week? Who's that, mate? Newcastle United, nil. Liverpool, nil. Steve Bruce, you're a genius. <laughs> what do you, you think? Were Newcastle that resilient or were Liverpool just not themselves? Yeah, so I think this is just a, a matter of missed chances for Liverpool slash our boy Caldalo having a great game. So the amount of chances that Liverpool had, I mean, like Firmino had a bunch of headers that um, were either saved or, or just went wide. I think he had a great chance to um, head home late um, into an open goal and missed it. Mo had his chances. Um, I think um, Mane hit the side netting. Like there was just so many chances for them. Um, so, yes, more of a story of missed chances for Liverpool um, and a great performance by a boy, Carl, um, than anything else. Yeah, but oh, that uh, that save from the corner, absolutely stunning. Late on, like they needed that and he's come up good for them. What a save. And he's up to punch it straight away as well. So, yeah, what do you think? Um, Carl is obviously their player of the season so far. Does he get a ticket to the Euros? He's better than Jordan Pickford. He's um, way better than Jordan Pickford. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know what Gareth's doing, but I know he can play for Wales as well, but he's knocked Wales back in the past. Um, oh, come on. So maybe he's an outside chance. Uh, no, I think he's more than an outside chance. I think he's, he's the dude um, at the moment, and I think he will definitely be on the plane. It's just a matter of whether you can get the number one shirt or not. Um, another point I want to talk about is how fucking slow is Nathaniel Phillips? <laughs> Did Callum, you see that one on Wilson? Yeah, like oh he was my. What? He's so fucking slow. And then there was one, I think it was in the second half, where he just checked the run of it was on it was on his left, so Liverpool's right. So maybe it was Trent Alexander Arnold went to push past him and he just checked his run, just like stepped straight in front of him. He knew he just didn't have the pace. But yeah. Um yeah, he looked rather exposed. If you're Liverpool do you go into the market in January and buy a centre back? Like, I mean, obviously they need need them because they've got injuries at the moment. But what I'm thinking is that if they spend some cash or, or bring someone in, um, what happens when um, you know Matt Heap um, gets fit again? Um, when they get Van Dijk back um, later in the year, like they're just going to have a surplus, and then they have to move someone on. So, what do you do with Liverpool? Do you, do you stay with? Um, sort of Nathaniel Phillips and um, Fabinho for the, for the moment, or do you go out to the market? What, what do you think? I think they go to market like now. Really? Yeah, I think they have a problem right now. They need to fix um, to, to buy or loan. Do you think? Yeah, it's tough whatever to gets it done. I think, yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's a buy. Like I don't think they're loaning anyone. Um, it's just not good. I think if they buy someone, they can probably sell them for more. 
Um, and like, because you don't know how long Van Dyke's going to be out. Joel Matip tends to be injured quite a bit too, so you can't really rely on him. Joe Gomez is a long-term absentee, and we've we've seen like Fabinho's there, but it's not his best position as well. So I think you like you don't lose too much if you bring someone in. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and. Did you see when I think Callum Wilson had a really good chance and Brucey jumped up and down and flung his arms? Yeah. And he clipped the, um, he clipped the third official. Did you see Oh, the fourth official? Did you see that? Yeah. That was good. He's, he's one of those blokes that like stuff just happens to him all the time. Like it's, He's one of the guys you just follow him around and something funny will happen eventually. He's got a bit of um, Keggy Keegan about him as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. Um, the other thing, last thing I want to mention on Liverpool um, is obviously a disappointing result, but it is good to see my boy Thiago back. Um, just a little cameo there, and there was one dive that he hit out to Trent, which would melt your face. <laughs> um, Trent Alexander-Arnold hit a nice pass for, I think it was the last chance too. Like He looked like he was going to be the one to open the game up, but just didn't happen for him. Yeah, so a stumbling start. Oh, sorry. Stumbling last couple of games for Liverpool. Like, are they still your title favourites? They haven't yeah. done anything to, to yeah. stop that. Oh, Everyone okay. else is falling harder. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so two more games to get through. So we've got Burnley 1, Sheffield United 1. So wasn't much talk about in this game, but a very important three points for Burnley. And they got a takeover this week. Yes, they did. Um, they... I don't know if they needed it. I think they were sort of chugging it along um, like rather okay um, in terms of having, you know, steady Premier League survival. But, yeah, ALK um, took them over. Um, they're a Delaware-based um, company and took a, a majority 84% stake in the club. Um, they specialise in investments in sport and media um, and their managing managing partner, Alan Pace, will take over from Mike Garlick as Burnley's chairman. Um, and you're probably thinking, gee, what's Alan Pace ever done? Like, how's he ever going to um, be the be the chairman of Burnley? Like, what? Who else has he managed? Don't worry, um, he, he has been the chairman of Salt Lake City Soccer Club. So, yeah. relax, mate. Don't worry about it. No, so there could be a bit of money ball about this because ALK actually own two sports analytic firms as well, so AI Scout and Player Lens. So I don't know, it could be like a money ball type scenario they're going for, but I don't know if that's going to work in the Premier League. We'll, we'll soon find out. And so if you're Dashi, are you thinking, holy shit, I've got a bunch of cash to spend. This is great. I can really rub my hands together. Or are you thinking more like um, what Brucey would have been thinking when Newcastle were um, looking at those takeovers, thinking, geez, I'm about to get fired here. No, I reckon I reckon Dashi's reaching for Messi's number. <laughs> <laughs> I think he reach for it all he wants. <laughs> get him out on the coast. Play him off Harry Kane. Um, and then sit Bruno Fernandes in behind. More realistically, I think you'll probably get like a couple of proven Premier League performers just to keep them up. Yeah, well, obviously, like a huge win, as you said, for Burnley. are up into 16th. Um, they have Fulham next, so another six-pointer, and they can really create some separation from the um, the bottom three um, after beating Sheffield United and then have Fulham come up next. So, yeah, one other one other question on this one, and I was going to ask it before when we were talking about um, West Bromwich Albion, Diego Costa. What do you think? Yeah, Any I've chance? heard this. Yeah, um, mm, I just can't see it happening. I think um, 
some of the American teams have been touted as well. So I think that's probably a better move for him. I don't think he wants to come back to the Premier League and slog it out. And realistically, if he goes to one of those teams, I think was it West Brom, it was Burnley, potentially it was Brighton if I'm if I remember seeing him photoshopped into a shirt. But if he goes down to one of those clubs, like he's just gonna have the he's back to goal the whole time and people coming and kicking him through the back. Um, or he can go to America and be the dude and um, and have some better weather. So I'm probably thinking he goes to America. But yeah, I mean if you if you're Burnley or West Brom, I mean that that's a signing for sure. Yeah, another team that needs a striker, Wolverhampton Wanderers. So they went down 1-0 to a Marcus Rashford-inspired Manchester United. What did you think of this one? Were United lucky to get away with it? I think so in the end, but um, just United again win based on a moment or a bit of quality from an individual player rather than sort of a pattern of play or a system getting it done for them. So I think... I think that's that's obviously serving them pretty well, but I think if they want to make that next jump um, and sort of go win a piece of silverware or go obviously deeper in Europe, I think they're going to have to change that. They're going to have to identify what their um, pattern of play or what their system is to be able to do that. I think the indication of that is if, like, say a you know a Real Madrid, a Barca, a Liverpool, a Bayern, a, um, a Man City come to Man United to play them. I think the first thing Man United will do is um, shut up shop, give the ball away, and play on the counter. So I think that's a little indication that they're not sort of in that next tier yet in no, their development. It, it was a fairly poor performance from Manchester United, to be honest. Um, like it was just everything was average. Um, it was clear that Wolves were trying to isolate um, Harry Maguire and trying to get Traore to run at him. But um, Luke Shaw and Alex Tellers were quite disciplined in where they were to make sure they were there to support Maguire. But Wolves were missing quite a few players. Um, Daniel Poten started on the bench. And like they, they weren't particularly inventive, but I feel like they were the better side. But they just couldn't take the chances. Yeah. No, I think, yeah... I agree. If you probably lean to a team, you probably lean towards United. I mean, United looked tired, but Wolves looked exhausted. Yeah, yeah. For the actual goal, um, did you see El Nori, the left back for Wolves? He's gone down um, with cramp, and then Bruno's played a switch ball that's sort of in his space, um, just behind him, and he's magically picked himself up off the ground, being able to track back to Rashford. Rashford's given him the um, chop one way, chop the other and, and shoot off the left foot like a deflection but still created his own chance, deserved his goal. Um, so, yeah, not not the best look for El Nori, especially coming off. I think he did the same thing against Southampton mm. um, where he had a little – he went up for a header and he stayed down and then they conceded a goal um, against Southampton. So, I mean, not the best look – for him, but yeah, as I said, Manu looked tired, but Wolves looked exhausted. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, but Manchester United up to second, three points behind Liverpool with a game in hand, um, and a big clash with Aston Villa tomorrow. Huge. We'll cover that soon. All right. So let's let's uh, change pace a little bit. Go in the preview. So this week starts with Everton versus West Ham. So Everton are the form team of the competition right now, aren't they? Doing really well. Um, what have they won the last four? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Won the last four and undefeated in last five, I believe. 
So the other key thing for this match is um, Everton missed last week. The game got postponed with Man City due to COVID. Um, but critically, it was on the Man City side, like it's gone through their their team. So I think Everton have had the chance to have a rest. So I think that's going to play a huge factor in this. Um, I think obviously Everton, therefore, will be much fresher. Um, West Ham coming off a, a nil or draw against Southampton looked a bit tired and, and, and obviously that extra game doesn't help them. West Ham have not beaten Everton in the last four meetings. Um, and as you said, Everton on a great run of form. So they've beaten Sheffield United, Leicester, Arsenal, and Chelsea in the last four. So looking pretty good, pretty hard to steer away from Everton. And so therefore, I'm going an Everton home win here. Who have you got? Yeah, I'm going with Everton as well. Um, Richarlison in, which is always big for Everton. Um, huge. Huge. James Rodriguez unavailable. But yeah, I think that rest is just going to be so important. Um, everyone looks a bit leggy, which is that couple of extra days with the squad um, for Carlo to have the boys in. I think they'll just be too good for West Ham. Yep, agreed. All right, so next one, Manchester United versus Aston Villa. So this one is interesting because what do we got? Manchester United second, but Aston Villa sitting pretty in fifth and could go one point behind United with a win. Big game this, isn't it? Like, Massive. I think if you tell me at the start of the year this is going to be a huge game with um, huge consequences for the top four, I would have gone, mm, not so sure about this. But, yeah, I mean, it's really all on the line for um, both these teams. Both are undefeated in their last five games, which is interesting. So good form from, from United coming in, good form from Villa coming in. United at home, so should play on the front foot. But we'll see what they, how they actually approach this game. Um, I have mentioned a few times that I think they're better playing off the off the back foot and off the counter. So I think they're at home and they're at home to Villa. So therefore, the um, sort of the impetus is on them to, to come forward and, and, and play. I think Villa have enough to to beat them and hurt them, right? With Watkins, Grealish, and how good is Al Ghazi at the moment? So they've yeah. definitely got enough to to beat them. Um, and as we said, United with no Cavani. I am probably leaning towards a draw here just because I'm going to sit on the fence. What are you thinking? Coward. No, I think United will win. Um, Ross really? Barkley is back for Villa as well. Apparently, he could have played against Chelsea, but um, obviously can't play against his parent club. And Tyrone Mings comes back from suspension. But I just think I think United are just going to have too much quality again. Like Villa are doing well, but just those moments that Fernandez, Rashford, uh, Greenwood, Martial can produce um, will be enough. And United are looking relatively solid at the back now too. Um, they who did you? Sorry, who did you say um, can't play against a parent club? Ross Barkley. But they're playing United. Yeah, but he couldn't play against Chelsea last week. Oh, last week. Sorry, oh, last couple of days. Week. No, yeah, no, yeah, sorry. no. Ross Barkley's not good enough to play for Manchester United. Um, so it's Chelsea. But no, look. So. That's a big in for them because Barkley was in sparkling form at the start of the year. So I think he'll be good if he can get on. But I think United is just going to be too good. I'm going with United. So United will go equal top if they win because they are playing before Liverpool. Yeah, and they have a game in hand as well. Ooh. And so at this stage, are you thinking Liverpool – so you mentioned that Liverpool is still title favourites. Who is their biggest challenger? Have you got Man City in there, Leicester? Have you got 
Man yeah. United. Who, who have you got? Give me no, the I've one. Got, I've got Manchester City. So if Manchester City win their two games in hand, they're actually only one point behind Liverpool. Mm, it's a little bit misleading the table at the moment. It is. Yeah, that, it is. We had, well, they have one game missed for coronavirus, and I think they had a League Cup game that had to get moved um, or something like that as well. So two yeah. games behind. So I think we're split on this one. So you're saying draw. I've got Manchester United. So then move on to what I think is the match of the round. Really? Tottenham versus Leeds. Jose versus Marco. Who do you like? Oh, tough one. This is going to be a very tactical game. Um, I think Leeds will um, take the initiative and play on the front foot because they won't change their style, but I think that will perfectly play into Jose's hands and Spurs' hands, and I think, therefore, Spurs will do them on the break, and then we're going to be looking at a Jose masterclass here for Bielsa. Bale out for three weeks with a calf injury, and I know what you're thinking. Wow, can't believe he's injured. Oh, how is Bale uh, injured? But I'm, there you go. I'm thinking how. What has he done to get injured? I think he went to pick up the Christmas turkey out of the oven. He's got one of those low ovens and then, yeah, tore a calf on the way out. I was trying to pick up a driver. So um, very disappointing for Gareth, but obviously not that critical to Spurs. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on this one. I think Jose is going to be too clever for Marco. I think it's going to be dull. I think Leeds have some obvious problems through the middle there. And I think the way with Harry Kane dropping in to where he likes to sit between that midfield and striker space is where leads tend to leave space. So I think Harry's going to be able to get the ball in those areas and do some real damage. So I reckon Harry Kane's going to score first in this game too. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I think if Spurs can press forward onto onto them, um, they might be able to get more joy, but I think they're more likely to sit back and, um, and punch them on the break. Spurs really need to find their feet. They haven't won in the last four. So I think, yeah, obviously a couple of games ago they were on top. So, yeah, they really need to find their feet again, and I think they will against Leeds. So, yeah, I've got a, a Spurs victory at home here as well. All right, so we're all in agreement. So moving on, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United. This is important, this one. Oh, who cares? Honestly, what a snooze fest this game's going to be. Yeah, Palace, rubbish, um, have just not been good enough recently. Poor form. No wins in the last five. Chef United, obviously no wins in the, in the last 16. So I think, oh, just neither team are going to inspire me. But it's more of like you got to pick who's like the least terrible and the least terrible team in this situation is Palace. So I'm going to go Palace. What have you got? Yeah, Palace. I think Sheffield United just don't look like winning a game anytime soon. And I think that... I think Palace to have a little bit more quality like with Will Zaha, Andros Townsend. Like, there's players in Palace team who can score goals. Yeah, I agree. Palace have got some tools to hurt Sheffield United, whereas Sheffield United don't have any tools to hurt Palace. So that, that's that's another reason. Yeah, you probably lean towards Palace. We're pretty much in agreement on these all these games so far except for the Man U game. But um, I'm going to put that down to you being um, having your – Van Persie glasses on. Um, all right, so next one, Brighton Wolves. What do you think about this one? So Wolves struggling for goals since Jimenez got injured. There's been no action in the market so far. And Brighton, everyone's saying how well they're playing, but they've slipped into a relegation battle. Yeah, 17th, aren't they, at the moment, Brighton? No wins in the last, what have we got, seven for Brighton? So not the best form. But Wolves just look absolutely shattered, as we mentioned. Um, so I think, yeah, this consider this a low-scoring game. I think how tired 
Wolves are and how poor Brighton have been, um, you can probably presume there's going to be less than two and a half goals in this game. I'm probably going to go a nil all draw. Um, yeah, I don't think Wolves have got anything in terms of cutting edge that can hurt um, hurt teams at the moment and they clearly need to go to the market to replace Jota and um, Jimenez as well. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, oh, Adama hasn't scored for a year now. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, so let me track down this. Um, you keep going and I'll track down this. All right. um, so I, I think I think Wolves will have too much quality in this one, but I just don't know where a goal is going to come from. Like if Pedro Neto is not scoring, um, Fabio Silva looks a little bit like a little bit green, um, but he does get in some good positions. Um, and I think Daniel Poten should start, which is good for Wolves. Yeah, I think it's going to be very low scoring and very tired, but I think Wolves will have enough in the tank here to um, beat Brighton. Yeah, see, I, I agree with you. It's going to be slow and tired, and, and the hence I think nil all. I, I think if anyone's going to pinch it, it'll be Wolves though. And my stat that I was trying to track down was um, I was watching um, Wolves the other week, and Troy came on, and you know, you know how when um, there's been a couple of pundits who have um, just had like rubbish stats that come up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the off the sport coverage, like you have like Roy Keane, he's won his like thirteen league titles or whatever, and then Tim Cahill, he's like scored the most away goals or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um Anyway, so the stat that flashed up was Adama Traore, no goals or assists in his previous twenty three Premier League appearances. That hurts, doesn't it? That hurts. We've only played sixteen games this year. Um, so obviously, as you say, that carries into to last year as well. So mm, not great. He needs a goal, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I th- he's just he's like a um, is he like a Greenwood who has had a protein shake? Yeah, someone said it was Dan James on protein, um, which Dan probably isn't too, probably isn't too far. Um, but yeah, look, hopefully Wolves will have a bit too much in the tank. So the next one is one that Arsenal fans always look forward to. So they've got West Bromwich Albion, but Arsenal can't handle Big Sam, can they? Oh, I don't know, can they? Where, where are you uh, you basing this off history? Well, um, you've got some stats about that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely no stats, but <laughs> Big Sam and Arsenal don't get along. Um, so I, I think, I actually think West Brom are going to do them here. This is my upset for the week. Fuck, really? No. So I've got um, I've got down here that um, just what the doctor ordered for Arsenal coming off two wins. Um, who do you want to play? Um, potentially one of the worst teams um, in Premier League history who just come off being battered 5-0. So I'm, I'm going to go Arsenal here. I think um, Saka's in good form. Lacazette is in good form. He, um, he scored in his last, I think, three or four Premier League appearances. So, yeah, I'm going to go Arsenal here. Yeah, I reckon Big Sam with a tummy full of Christmas turkey. He's going to have something special for him. But something's some still not quite right about Arsenal. Like, although they've won the last two, you can just still see that something's just not quite right there yet. I don't think Arteta has his locked down his, um, his best team, and I think he's still moving some parts around. So I think, yeah, every now and then you might see them, um, you know, trip up against West Brom or, or a team like that, but I just can't see it happening this week. So I've got Arsenal and... Big Sam, as I said earlier, you can keep him up if you get some joy in the transfer window. Mm. Well, Peter Crouch is a free agent too. So could he sign up by tomorrow? We shall see. Next one, if you're going to miss a game this week, this would be the one, Burnley versus Fulham. Who do you like in this one? 
I've got Burnley um, just because I think they're just in better form at the moment. Um, a good win last week. I think they're a little bit tighter at the back than, than Fulham, who are rather porous. Um, and Fulham no wins in the last six. So I'm going towards Burnley. And the only thing about that that might throw that out is, the, as you say, the news of the takeover um, during the week by ALK. So I don't know, does that turn a couple of heads? Does that get the players talking? Does that, I don't know what that does. What, what do you think? Does I that think, have an impact I think it at all? I think it, I think it motivates players because Burnley operate with a pretty small squad um, and Deitchie's made that pretty clear throughout the year. So I think it galvanises them a little bit and says, yeah, we've got some money coming in. Reinforcements will arrive in January. Um, and they were sort of struggling along. Good win during the week against Sheffield United as well. That'll be a nice little shot in the arm for them. Um but I am actually going to go the other way on this one. I'm going to say it's going to be a Fulham win because the last couple of games that I've watched Fulham, I thought the they've been dangerous. Like they've had chances against better teams. Um, and I think Burnley aren't quite at the same level. as like They drew one all with Liverpool a couple of weeks ago and I thought they were very impressive. So I actually think that Fulham are going to win this one. Yeah, I just I just think that um, Burnley are just too tight in terms of goals. Um, then, and I don't think Fulham can crack them open. So, yeah, I'm probably going the other way. I'll lean towards Burnley. And as you say, it might do the players good at Burnley to hear that money's on its way. A, because um, if you're one of the better players in the squad, you're thinking, thank God, we're going to get some reinforcements and, you know, I'll have someone else to play with. And then if you're sort of, you know, in that second tier of players or on the edge of the squad, you're thinking, gee, I might have to pull my socks up here to um, put in a performance so um, they keep me when the money does come in. Yeah, so it's going to be, if you're going to miss one, this will be the one to miss. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens here because obviously very critical for that lower table sort of jostling for spots. Um, so the next one is Newcastle United versus Leicester City. What Leicester City are we going to see this week? Oh, I'm honestly on the fence on this one. I really don't know what is going to happen in this game. And I think it's the critical point of the game is who takes control of the game. So. Both teams sort of like to give up possession and, and punch on the counter. Um, Leicester, a little bit less so than the Newcastle. But having said that, Newcastle are at home. So uh, I'm just really torn on who's going to take control of the game. Who do you think is going to pick up control of the game and, and play on their terms? I think Leicester will pick up control. I don't think there's a team in the Premier League who prefers to not have the ball more than Newcastle. Um, they just... Like, they're just no good with the ball. The biggest thing for me in this is who actually plays. Like, if you start up top with Ian Acho and Co., like, that won't be enough to get through Newcastle. Like, sit too deep. He doesn't offer enough. Like, Jamie Vardy is made for this game to get you over the line. Just a pinch of goal while they're sitting deep and just his movement in the box would scare them. Yeah, Vardy will start. Um, he was rested the last game because he just played um, two days earlier and at his age and in his body type and the way he obviously his explosive pace, he can't play um, can't play that those two games um, too close together. So yeah, he will start. Leicester will be back to full strength and then I'm going to take your word on that that if um, someone wants to play or take control of the game, it's going to be Leicester. Therefore, if that's the case, I think Leicester will beat them. The only thing that will keep Newcastle in the game is our boy Darlow um, having another cracker. But, yeah, if that's the case, I would lean towards Leicester, which if that's the case, that would very much push um, Newcastle into a little bit more trouble. So they're in 14th at the moment on 19 points. And then I think if you've got sort of um, Brighton or, or Burnley or Fulham winning games, um, as you've previously tipped, and Palace, 
they're going to get dragged into it then, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I think if Burnley beat Fulham, then Newcastle are sort of in that next tier. Um, and Palace as well. And Arsenal, if they don't get the points. But, um, yeah. Well, you have Palace beating Sheffield United, so that, they, yeah, they will get dragged into it then. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing that is critical for Newcastle is no St. Maximin and no LaSalle's again. So two of their best players missing. So I think Leicester will do this quite comfortably. All right, Leicester it is for both. All right, so now we've got the oil firm derby. Chelsea versus Manchester City. Frank versus Pep. Who do you like in this one? Mm, I think all things being equal, I'd probably lean towards Man City. I think they'll get the job done. The only wild card is what impact has the Corona had on their squad and how many players are they still missing? So if they if a player, let's say Kyle Walker and Jesus, for example, um, had COVID, so have they recovered? Are they sort of 85% and can play? Or are they you know, just not right yet? Are they, you know, all the way back to 100%? I think that's just, this game's just so hard to pick based on, um, yeah, the impact of coronavirus on the Man City squad. Having said that, all things being equal, I think I'm going to lean towards Man City. Um, I've touched on the frailties of Mendy. Keep an eye out for that this week. Um, that's my hot tip of the week. Um, and I think City will get it done, and I think they will emerge as the... Um, biggest threat to Liverpool, um, more for the generalists out there who think they're sort of stuck down in eighth. Um, I think anyone who knows um, that they've got a couple of games in hand and who those games in hand are against, I think we'll see them jump up. So, yeah, I'm going to go Man City um, with the caveat of coronavirus. Oh, that's, a, that's a big caveat in 2021, isn't it? Um, yeah, look, I think City are just better. I, what interests me most about this game is what is Frank going to do with that team? So for all the money he spent, he keeps going back to the players that he knows and he can rely on. So I think he'll start with Pulisic, Giroud, and um, I think he might. He I think he might start with Werner, but like his form's been so poor lately that like a City's going to be a tough game for him. So he might even like shuffle the pack completely and not start with Werner. All habits. Well, he had he had six changes against um, Villa, so he's he's shuffling the the pack. Um, I mean, in terms of in terms of who starts, like I don't think Giroud will start. He started on the weekend and and played north of what seventy eight minutes. So mm. I but don't think like, he's gonna it, I just don't think any of the other forwards are up for it right now. Oh, Tam, Tammy's up for it. He was up oh, for Tammy, it. Tammy's forward. up for it. Um, I, I think Olive, I think Giroud would be a better choice in this game. Um, but, yeah, you're probably right. Tammy might be able to roll the sleeves up a bit here. But City's still looking a bit flat for my liking. Um, but I still think they're going to have enough today to get the job done. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Giroud would be a better pick. But I think having him played um, just recently, I don't think he's going to start. But he would be a better pick than Tammy because I think they're going to have less of the ball. So when they do have the ball, it's probably imperative that, um, you know, they can fire it into Giroud and he can keep the ball. So yeah. interesting. A bit of a, but bit of a rest for City as well, which helps. Yeah, but again, is it what type of rest is it? Is it disrupted training or is it like everyone goes home and self-quarantines and takes a couple of days off and everyone has gets tested? Like you don't know what type of chaos it is at that club. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm going to go with City. City for me too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so last one, Southampton versus Liverpool. Austrian Klopp versus the real deal Klopp. Who do you like in this one? 
Oh, funny. I had um, Liverpool A beating Liverpool B here. Um, as we know, there's a lot of transfers coming pretty much one way from Southampton to Liverpool. So, um, yeah, Liverpool stuttering at the moment, but I think key for them is when they stutter and um, drop points, they don't lose games. They just, you know, had a couple of draws recently. So I think that, um, yeah, they'll pull their socks up and get it done here. Um, but given that um, it's Liverpool A versus Liverpool B, who from Liverpool B is on trial for Liverpool A in this game? Ward Prowse and Vestergaard. Ward Prowse. I wrote Ward Prowse down as well. Um, Ward Prowse covered more kilometres than anyone else in the Premier League this season. Yep. But I think, I think the real player who is on trial um, right now is Yannick Vestergaard, Southampton centre-back. Apparently Liverpool are in for him and are very close to um, like making an actual offer for him. Interesting. And he was not there when Van Dijk was there. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. And he's a monster as well. Interesting. Mm. But, look, I think Liverpool Liverpool should have too much for Southampton in this game. But in the last five games, Liverpool have drawn against Newcastle, West Bromwich Albion and Fulham. Like it, it just doesn't it just doesn't follow any logical sense. Like you're like these aren't the teams that Liverpool should be drawing with, and chuck in that they beat Tottenham in there and then beat Palace seven nil. Like you just can't read them. Just a wild season though, isn't it? It is wild. Um, but I th- they should be too good for uh, they should be too good for Southampton. But Che Adams and Danny Ings could cause them some problems. Yeah, I think. Southampton played those two games back-to-back and didn't shuffle their pack, so I think they might have to if they're playing another game in a couple of days. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've got Liverpool. You've got Liverpool. All right, so uh, that wraps that up. So I believe we have uh, Rogers Multi. Yes, we have Rogers Multi. Um, Roger, right on time with that. So he's gone four-legger. Here we go. Pens out. Everton to get it done against West Ham. Tick. Full, no. Tottenham to get it done against Leeds. Mm. I think, again, I think that's likely. Um, He's got Palace to beat Sheffield United. I mean, who doesn't have anyone to beat Sheffield United? And then the little wild card here, he's got got Man U Villa draw, which initially I wasn't a fan of, but I've now thought about the game a bit more. I've, I've warmed to. Um, and he's also got here, he could have thrown Leicester and Arsenal in as some bankers, um, but wanted to get his money out early. So, Is that Arsenal, Arsenal to win or Arsenal to lose? Which one's the banker? <laughs> I think Arsenal to win. <laughs> um, so to recap on that, he's got Everton to beat West Ham, Spurs to beat Leeds, Palace to beat Sheffield United, Man U and Aston Villa a draw. So good luck to Roger, and and I'm on that at the moment too. So um, good luck to me as well. So what we might do now is head to the mailbag. You've got mail. You've got mail. All right. Um, Dusted the old mailbag off, and um, because this has fallen on my side of the fence, I'll take control here, and um, I want your best answer here, mate. So who have you got? So one or the other. Arsenal, Saka, or Man United, Mason? Do I have to justify my response? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it depends on what type of play you're looking for. Um, I think if you want like a, a genuine wide midfielder who can run at players and take them on and get other players involved in the game, then you take Saka. 
I think he's so he's so good at running at players at speed and creating chances. Um, if that's what you're looking for, you take Saka. But if you want an out-and-out striker who will in three or four years be banging home 20 goals a season, I would take Mason Greenwood. Um, I don't think they're the same type of player, and I don't think that it's a fair comparison. Um, but I think Mason Greenwood has like unbelievable potential as a striker. Um, but I also think Saka could be like the best Arsenal player for years to come out wide. Mm. Oh, I've got like a similar train of thought, but like I think mine takes a slightly different turn. So I think if you were taking a player right now, I think I would take Mason Greenwood over Saka because I think at the moment he's slightly more polished than than Saka. Um, I think I probably agree with you where they are very different players, and I think well, not very. They're similar players at the moment, but I think they will end up be very different players. So I think. In the end, Greenwood will end up, as you say, as a number nine and, and play through the middle. At the moment, he's getting sort of cameos off the left and right, um, whereas I think, yeah, Saka will stay out um, as, and be a winger throughout his whole career. So I think they'll evolve into different players. Um, but I think out of the two at the moment who are going to develop the most in the next couple of years, I think Saka's going to develop the most in the next couple of years based on opportunities. He's at Arsenal and, as we said earlier, everything good – out of Arsenal comes through him at the moment. So I think he's going to get plenty of game time, plenty of opportunities to play. Whereas Greenwood, if you look at his um, his position at Man U, he's got Rashford in front of him, he's got Martial in front of him, and he's got Cavani in front of him. So I don't think his chances through the middle are going to be as prevalent. So, yeah, there, there's probably – I do Mason now. I think Saka will develop further. Um, and I think Greenwood's future is not necessarily at Manchester United. Oh, how dare you? So my only concern is with Saka is that he will develop faster than the other players at the club. Like and move the way, on. Yeah, yeah, the way he's going compared to other players at the club, you're like, he's going to be so much better than so many of those other players. Um, and, and that might hinder his development. Yeah, you might hinder his development. I think that'll yeah. help his development. Well, he, needs, he needs better players around him. Because like, that's oh, yeah, okay. going in, like, you don't want to be relying on him every week because he's going to have some, like, he's going to drop off. At some point, like he's so young, he can't do this week in, week out and save them every week. Um, so I just worry that he's not going to have the quality around him to develop as, as much as he could. Yeah, that, that's true. But that's probably that's probably in the medium term. I think in the short term, he's just going to have way more game time. So I think that is going to help. But yeah, I think I'll probably agree with you where if he gets too much burden to carry them and, and, and everything good to come through him, I think eventually that will take its toll. So... He's going to need some help, but I think Arsenal will spend, so that'll be fine. All right, so um, that's that. So if you want to get in touch with the show, it's email. It's footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Facebook, football played on paper. Insta, at football played on paper. Twitter, at football on pods. Um, don't forget to give us a five-star review. If you do nothing else in that, this festive season, do that. I forgot to mention that um, Jake Robinson sent that question in, so good on you, Jakey. Um, and that's it. Enjoy um, a couple of days off, everyone, and then we'll crack into the Prem and see you soon.